Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We wish we had good martinis for you today. We just don't. I think they're either all bad or crazy. Let's go with two crazies and a bad sandwiched in the middle. We're brought to you today by the Jordan Harbinger Show. Uh, Jim, let's begin with crazy number one. Pete Buttigieg, the former mayor of South Bend, the one-time Democratic presidential candidate who really did far better than anyone should have given his resume. But nonetheless, uh, Joe Biden has picked him to be the next Secretary of Transportation pending Senate confirmation, which I I, I doubt will be a problem in his particular case. The media, of course, loves it uh, because it checks another identity box. Uh, They're claiming he's the first ever uh, gay cabinet secretary, which is not true. He would be the first confirmed uh, gay nominee specifically for a cabinet position. Rick Grinnell was uh, confirmed as ambassador to Germany and then uh, was a uh, acting director of the of, uh, director of national intelligence. But uh, at his comments yesterday in accepting this nomination, uh, Pete Buttigieg had two things that I think uh, folks are going to groan at. First of all, listen to his amazingly flowery language about how he improved bike paths in South Bend. We built up partnerships from a regional collaboration to improve rail service to the public-private partnership that put our city at the cutting edge of bicycle mobility. And then, Jim, you know, transportation's about making sure the roads are good, the bridges are good, the airports are good, the, the, the rails run well. Uh, and obviously, you want everybody to have access to that transportation. But listen to how he uh, transforms it into today's woke politics. At its best, transportation makes the American dream possible, getting people and goods to where they need to be, directly and indirectly creating good-paying jobs. At its worst, misguided policies and missed opportunities can reinforce racial, economic, and environmental injustice. There you go, Jim. Uh, Nothing in government apparently is uh, without intersectionality in this incoming administration. What do you make of the choice? And Buttigieg trying to make this out to be the, uh, uh, the greatest achievement anybody could possibly have. You know, Greg, we've talked about how weird some of the Biden selections are. Uh, Susan Rice being selected to run domestic policy, a nominee to be Secretary of Veterans Affairs who has not a, is not a veteran and has never really worked on those issues before. Pete Buttigieg fits this pattern of, okay, I mean, he's a, you know, qualified or people have heard of him or something like that, but why that job? And it was fascinating to watch Buttigieg say, you know, how much he loves transportation and it's always been a passion of a personal love of transportation ever since childhood. Um, I mean, the primary qualifications he brings to the job are that he's seen many forms of, edu- of transportation, and he's been on many forms of transportation. That's about it. Yes, he did the bike paths. I looked it up. South Bend has about 60 buses in the bus system. That's what's been under his, uh, uh, his jurisdiction, his authority here. I think what really jumped out at me, though, was his, his statement that airports can be... Don't let anyone tell you airports can't be romantic, because that's where he uh, proposed to his husband. Greg, when you and Mrs. Columbus get away, how often do you find the, the, the uh, airports to be romantic? Oh, that's sea terminal at Reagan. I can tell you. <laughs> we, we got some flights delayed there one time. It was magical. I, and as I observed, maybe I have worse luck than other people. I, you know, whether it's business travel or traveling with Mrs. Garrity, I always end up behind the person who goes up to the counter and is really, really insistent that the flight can't be delayed. Never mind the fog because she is an Emerald Star Platinum Advantage Reward Status Program. And uh, yes, she does ask to see the manager. 
Um, no, I was here, whether you like it or not, I was struck by the fact that the Washington Post felt the need to run a column declaring, yes, Pete Buttigieg is right, airports are romantic. No matter what idiotic thing a Democrat says, they will feel a need to say, well, actually, he's right. You know, airports are beautiful and romantic and, and all that kind of stuff. Look, you know, I think, which I think is a, a bad habit on the part of the media. I think clearly there are a lot of people who still kind of had Buttigieg as their favorite, even though he didn't do terribly great in uh, once the, the primaries really got rolling. Look, you know, most of these cabinet positions are the equivalent of the Federal Witness Protection Program. We're not going to hear a lot from Buttigieg over the next four years, and I'm fairly you know, content with that. But man, the media is going to make all of this absolutely insufferable. And I think Buttigieg himself is going to make this absolutely insufferable, making us sound like the Secretary of Transportation is arguably one of the top two or three most important jobs in the federal government. You're right. Uh, the media is going to go on a 180 pivot here from anything that's coming out of the Trump administration is wrong to anything that's coming out of the Biden administration is right. Careful of the whiplash. And, you know, that's something the Department of Transportation could look into because whiplash is something that often happens with uh, traffic accidents. So you're going to want to work on that, Pete Buttigieg. Mm -hmm. All right, Jim, we know everybody loves the three martini lunch and hopefully you're telling all your friends about it too. Uh, but also another show you might want to check out, The Jordan Harbinger Show, a different kind of sponsor for this episode, but it's a podcast a lot of people are finding very interesting. Uh, Apple named it one of the best of 2018. And the Jordan Harbinger show is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker, so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and actually come to your own conclusions. Don't wait for the Washington Post editorial page to tell you that airports are romantic. So you can figure it all out because your brain actually works. You know, there's an episode for everyone, no matter what you're into. The show covers stories like how a professional art forger somehow made millions of dollars while being chased by the feds and the mafia. Jordan's also done an episode all about birth control and how it can alter the partners we pick and how going on or off the pill can change elements of our personalities. Uh, two of the topics and big name guests that jumped out at me are the fight to defend the free world with H.R. McMaster former very high-level White House official, and Principles of Investing with Ray Dalio, a very successful investor, uh, read his book and found him fascinating. So two podcasts you absolutely should not miss. The podcast covers a lot, but one constant is Jordan's ability to pull useful pieces of advice from his guests. It's not just the uh, cookie cutter asking the questions in the press release kind of a thing. You'll find something you can apply to your own life, whether that's an actionable routine change that boosts your productivity or just a slight mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. So go to jordanharbinger.com slash subscribe or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy. I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, Jim, for those who have followed Vladimir Putin over the years, you know that uh, different critics of his wind up with mysterious problems, usually poisoned in some way or another. Some survive, some don't. But uh, usually Putin doesn't really comment on these things or he puts up a half-hearted denial with kind of a look in his eye like, we all know what really happened here, but I'm going to say it didn't. Uh, the, one of the latest ones to get poisoned is a guy named Alexei Navalny after uh, what could be two attempts on his life. And so Putin was asked about this. Uh, did you attempt to kill this prominent critic of yours? And uh, he goes on this long answer, which is never a good thing to do when the question is, did you kill someone? <laughs> If you have to really give a long explanation, that's probably a bad sign. Uh, but he says, listen, if they wanted to, 
they probably would have finished it, meaning the FSB, Jim. Uh, if you don't make a habit of killing people uh, who are your critics, uh, you shouldn't necessarily brag that you know for sure that if it really was you, you would have made sure the job got done right. You know, Greg, maybe it sounds more convincing in Russian. Um, I, I so didn't OJ try that defense at one point? Like, book, look, yeah. Look, you know, that was really sloppy handiwork with the knives. I've always had a much more firm grip when I do my stabbing of of my ex wives and uh, and waiters. Um, I, look, I, I I don't expect Vladimir Putin to offer me a particularly convincing excuse. I suppose if we had done it, it would have been done more professionally. Uh, is, is a probably one of the more plausible counter arguments you could put out there. And uh, what I thought it was leading towards, Greg, was an argument that um, at the FSB, the successor organization to the KGB, which of course is where Putin worked for many years, um, they have a philosophy, which is that you don't just get good at murdering people. It takes time, it takes dedication, and most importantly, it takes practice. And that's what the Russian state has been doing to all kinds of critics, both at home and abroad for years. So look, you don't just, you know, just jump into the assassination business. You have to earn your way into it by just honing your craft. And if there's anything Putin's good at, that's it. <laughs> so what's the, the repercussion here? I mean, it's a, a guy who's from his own country. I believe at one point the Trump administration uh, tightened the screws, maybe with some sanctions fairly early on in the administration. But, uh, you know, people are uh, taking out individual critics in their own country. Do you drop the hammer? Do you, do you uh, give them incentives to not keep doing that? How do, you, how do you effectively stop this type of thing? Well, look, you know, obviously you, sanctions are a good first step. Um, it was interesting to hear uh, one of the officials in China who had been part of the crackdown in, uh, against Hong Kong uh, did an interview and recently stated she uses cash all the time because she can't use banks because the U.S. sanctions on banks have been so far-reaching and so draconian that banks don't want to touch her. So the, the Chinese Communist Party pays her in cash. She spends everything in cash and she can't have a bank account. She can't uh, have investments. She can't have, uh, uh, you know, effectively she's keeping her money under the mattress because that's the only way she can do that. So that's, you know, if you want to hinder high-level officials, that's a pretty effective way to do it. It's not necessarily a way it's going to single-handedly make them say, okay, we're never going to assassinate anyone ever again, but it's kind of a useful deterrent factor there. Um, the great news is, Greg, that, is that we have an incoming president who's always been tough on Russia um, <laughs> and is, they have never been associated with an administration that chuckled, oh, the 80s called, they're looking for their, uh, their foreign policy back, and that basically kind of you know, shrugged and, and you know, looked at each other when Russia invaded Ukraine, you know. If any, you know, I, 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 when Russia invaded Crimea, right? You know, if Putin wanted to really troll this, he could have said, I don't know. Maybe he had the incriminating information on Clintons. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, that would yes. be Hey guys, it's Mock and Daisy from the Chicks on the Right, and we're excited to tell you about our podcast, the Mock and Daisy Common Sense Cast. If you've been stressed lately with the information overload on social media or just don't feel like anything in the news makes sense anymore, don't worry, because we're here to clear things up. Every week, we discuss topics like cancel culture, national crisis, what's happening to our new generations, and if you're just plain tired of people trying to tell you what to do or how to live your life, we tackle that too. Find out more by going to our website, chicksontheright.com, or start listening on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or your favorite favorite podcast app. Don't forget to leave a comment or review and subscribe. All right. On to our crazy martini now, Jim. And I know nobody saw this coming. So you really need to sit down and, and, and take a deep breath as you find out that the Lincoln Project has decided they weren't just anti-Trump after all. Turns out, Jim, 
they're going to be anti-Republican going forward. I know, I know. Nobody could see this coming when they decided in 2018, they weren't actually the Lincoln Project then, but all the people involved said that Republicans across the board had to lose as a penalty for supporting uh, President Trump. And now they're uh, fighting in Georgia for the Democrats. And they're going to just keep doing that. Uh, Politico's got the story here. They quote Stuart Stevens, who I believe was on the Romney campaign, saying, uh, the reality is, is there a market for an anti-Trump Republican Party now? I would say no. Uh, Evan McMullen uh, says it's going to be tough to keep the Never Trump coalition together. So we have to bring more Republicans onto our side of this fight. But the most incriminating comment comes from Reed Galen, co-founder of the group who tells Politico, at this point, we're as much never Republican as we are anything else. The Lincoln Project, according to Politico, is coordinating with a larger coalition of Democratic and civil rights groups, including Stacey Abrams' Fair Fight, Senate Majority PAC, the NAACP, and Black PAC on how, quote, we can be helpful to them either with polling, staff support, or financial support. So, Jim, the true conservatives are down in Georgia pushing for Warnock and Ossoff. Totally principled. Yeah. Now, here's here's what's intriguing about this is if you look back, Priorities USA is a, you know, uh, top liberal super PAC, right? And they noticed how much attention and how many donations were going to the Lincoln Project during this cycle. And they decided to, they took five of the Lincoln Project ads and ran their own focus groups, right? And kind of, you know, um, one control group saw none of them. The other groups, this is like 600 some people. So it's a fairly big sample. Uh, was shown one of the five Lincoln Project ads. They measured how much the ads affected their thinking and their views on things. Uh, and they found pretty much the opposite of, of what the Lincoln Project would like you to believe. Uh, the more popular the ad was on Twitter, measured through likes and retweets, the less likely it was to persuade a battleground voter to vote for Biden over Trump. Meaning that, as we, you know, many of us would suspect, the Lincoln Project ads made committed liberal Democrats feel good about themselves. People who were already going to vote for Biden were even more supportive of Biden afterwards. Uh, but they did not do what they were allegedly supposed to do, which was persuade Republicans to turn against Trump and support Joe Biden. Now, if you and I are, are you know, on the right side of the spectrum, this doesn't really bother us that much. This means that large amounts of donations from grassroots liberals are going from groups like Priorities USA that could be effective at persuading battleground state voters to an organization that is not effective at persuading battleground state voters. Give its credit, the Lincoln Project does stand for a higher principle. That higher principle is that Rick Wilson and Steve Schmidt and all these other figures really need a new BMW. Uh, <laughs> and maybe a place in Vail, uh, a ski chalet, and, and maybe a, a vacation condo by the beach and, and all kinds of other stuff like that. Weird development. For the second time in a week, I'm going to say something nice about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez after she criticized Pelosi. It was AOC who said that the Lincoln Project did not strike her as a useful way to donate uh, for progressives to make their donations. All of a sudden, Steve Schmidt started writing love letters to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, insisting we're on the same side. Runs it. Look, by the way, if you're on the same side, you're not a Republican anymore. <laughs> you never, you know, you've been distancing from the Republican Party for a really long time. And now it's supposed to be a really big deal that Steve Schmidt is no longer with the Republican Party and he's changed his party registration, blah, blah, blah. The best comparison I saw, forgive me, I can't remember which wise guy on Twitter said it, but he said something like, I have always hated Canada, says the head of the Tim Horton Initiative. <laughs> for those who don't know, Tim Horton is a, a ubiquitous donut chain uh, in every street corner in, in Canada, it seems. The, the Starbucks of donuts up there, which are, by the way, delicious, but you know. 
Like at that point, take Lincoln off your name if the purpose of your movement is to be anti-Republican. Now, it's, they've exposed themselves for what they are. They've basically been mercenaries their entire political career. They got paid by a lot of Republicans over a lot of years. Uh, they couldn't handle it when Trump became the nominee in 2016. Uh, they probably figured out that their Republican candidate opportunities would dry up as once Trump won, more people were going to gravitate in that direction. So they decided to go to the other side. They made a lot of money, didn't change anything. They got involved in a ton of Senate races that did not go their way, thankfully. The Republican uh, percentage of the vote for Trump was actually better in 2020 than it was in 2016. So they accomplished nothing other than making themselves very rich. So Democrats, they're yours now. Enjoy. <laughs> the, by the way, there's one actual wrinkle of this, which is what makes them distinctive then? What makes them special? If you were a Democratic donor, why would you support them? Why, if you were a Democratic grassroots, why would you give your hard-earned dollars to them? Just as we've groaned about uh, the Jen Rubens of the world and said that, like, look, the only thing that makes them unique, what they're offering is the same as every other liberal columnist. It's just pretty much I, as a former Republican, abhor everything Trump is doing, as opposed to I, as a longtime liberal progressive Democrat, abhor everything Trump is doing. But by doing this, they're actually sacrificing the one thing that made them distinct from a lot of other political groups. So that's another thing which probably is a a long-term mistake on their part. So this is the one time to say, all right, good job, Lincoln Project. You guys go ahead and do that. You guys only proclaim to be Democrats. And oh, by the way, other Democratic rival groups, I hope you crush these guys. Amazing. Wow. Well, they duped a lot of Democrats. And uh, you combine that with all the money the Democratic donors dumped into Senate candidates who never really had a chance but thought they did. Maybe we should be glad they're still around on the left. We'll see. Jim, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, Check out the Jordan Harbinger Show. Uh, Also, please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Uh, We are very grateful for those five-star ratings and the kind reviews. Remember to get us also on those home devices. Just say play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great day, and please join us again Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.